three games, 22 game point streak, two games with zero goals against the Leafs cast is back. Yeah, the whistle is gone. Now the Leafs steal the puck. It'll go, Marner! Oh, and he set it wide. Oh, my, what a chance. Leafs trying to get it in front of the net again. Marner He scores! Mitch Marner! 19 straight games and an emphatic one here with a short-handed goal. I like curl my toes a little bit when I do the intro. Like I get like <laughs> Joe Bowen. The energy is is up there though, Steven. You can feel it. That you know you, you you've had a good week so far, haven't you? Uh, the it's a good it's good being a Leafs fan right now. I think we can all agree on that. It is good being a Leafs fan right now, and I'm looking forward to every single game, thinking about the next one after the the the, the last one ends. And uh, no, I'm hyped on the Maple Leafs for sure. Um, it's just great. Like we're just winning. Like we've had so many happy podcasts in a row. We don't even know what to do with ourselves. We're running out of podcast topics. Like where's the drama? <laughs> so your Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, just wrapped up a good week. Three W's this week. How many games in a row do we have a W we're, we're on? Gosh, well, I, we I lost, should have all these numbers. We lost in overtime la- against Tampa last Saturday. But like, okay, so then that would make us. Three. Uh, we have three in a row right now. Three week. in a row, but but at least a point in I don't know. It's something like nineteen of our last games or eighteen. We lost like November eleventh was the last regulation loss, I think. Which feels like forever ago. That's not. <laughs> it was against Pittsburgh. So if we can take care of business, uh, if we can take care of business on Tuesday, that'll be a month. A month since a regulation loss, which Mitch Marner's 22-game point streak, by the way, is six weeks long at this point. Six weeks! Since that last game where we lost in regulation to Pittsburgh, we have beat them twice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. No, it's good to be a Leafs fan, man. Well, they they were dominating wins this week. Like, those first two, especially against uh, Dallas... And was it Kings, the second one. Kings, yeah, the Kings. L.A. Like back to back, just nothing. We we just owned possession. We we ran up the score clock. They our goalies back to back shutouts. It, I mean, like I'm sure that everyone else is comparing it to, but it's the closest comparison to that three game series in uh, in Edmonton a couple years ago in the Canadian division where we just shut them down. And it's just like. Yes, this is just the the beast of a team that is the Toronto Maple Leafs running on all cylinders. It just kind of shows like the potential of this team when everything's going the way it's supposed to, which partly makes it hurt so hard in the playoffs when we don't see that and things just don't click when you know like they can do it. And like what's unbelievable is these games, I mean, TJ Brody came back this week, which we'll talk a bit about, but we're missing Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin and putting up these these shutout results and it's not mm-hmm. like Leafs deserve both those wins. Very much fun. Yeah. I, I remember after the, the Thursday game, which then all day Friday and all day Saturday until the game, I'm just saying the Maple Leafs have not let in a goal in two games. The Maple Leafs have not let in a goal in two games. And I was like, when's the last time it happened? But no, you're right. I a hundred percent remembered that Edmonton won. Cause so we'll, we'll be thinking of this for the next three years as well. It's always an amazing uh, milestone. Uh, and, and, and really against good teams, the stars are an absolutely good team and you shut them out at home 
in Toronto. Sorry, Toronto's home. That's awesome. Um, the Kings would be a really good team if they got anything better than the worst goaltending in the entire <laughs> NHL. Accurate. Um, but I mean, like, but I'm even still like Dallas is sixth in the NHL and LA is eleventh. Like these guys aren't pushover teams. I, I would be. Uh, I'm glad to be beating LA though because there's a lot of guys on that team that I want to target around the the deadline a lot of scores on that team so keep them down there I want them selling just keep it going I tell you I, I don't know the last time I got that excited in a Leafs game when we scored those three goals in like 80 seconds against Los Angeles like I was out of my chair I was just ready to go like man talk about turning it on and just burying the team under your foot it was interesting too um we were talking at the end of last week where I think Sammy smiles had played one game since coming back from injury. And we had been rocking with, uh, um, Matt Murray for just a little bit. And it's now we have the tandem, right. And it's like, okay, well let's see what happens. And I think collectively all of Leafs nation and all the Leafs cast listeners are a, a little bit waiting for something to happen. Right. It, it does feel like we're playing with house money, even right now, having both of them healthy for what four games, but you get both of them this week. You have Matt Murray with an awesome shutout performance, like an excellent getting goal lead by, you know, Dallas shutout performance on whatever that was, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. And then you don't even go back to him. You just put out Sammy Smiles and another shutout yeah. on Thursday. That was really shocking to me. And that's what shows that it's like, it, it's still a tandem. I guess they're both playing well, but it's still a tandem. Well, it was interesting that, it was Murray who got that start in Dallas in the first place because he just gave up that like he lost against Tampa Bay two nights prior to that and gave up that really rough overtime goal, which you know, we already talked about the last podcast. But I don't think we were really expecting it to be Murray coming back out. But, you know, Keith played a hunch and said, no, we got to get this guy back in here. We got to get him back on his feet. And he gives the I bet the Ottawa Senators never saw Matt Murray give a goaltending performance like that in all the three years that he was there. But he never, never even sniffed that kind of performance. They must be kicking yeah. themselves. Like, they have serious goaltending issues themselves. They must be kicking themselves with what Matt Murray's doing for us right now. I mean, in the games they did see him do that, they lost one nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You are right, though. And it, that's been a little bit of the talk of the town this week. It's just like... um Here's the Leafs goaltending tandem, one of the best in the NHL, if not maybe the best in the NHL. Um, and like k- kind of nobody saw this coming. I- I'm not sure anybody saw, I guess, this this high for even both of those guys. Maybe Sammy smiles a little bit because he's done this in previous spots. I guess Matt Murray's won a cup, but like nobody saw it coming like this, right? Well, Nobody. it was a huge risk on Kyle Dubas to come into the season with this. And I mean, maybe we'll talk about it later in the pod when we get to our topic. But it just like take taking the the risk on both cold headers, neither of them were a sure thing. Both of them could have sucked and it wouldn't have been outside the realm of possibility. But he went for it and they're both great so far, which is huge. Like it's just so much security down the line. And even like this game against Calgary, I wouldn't say Matt Murray had a very good game like it was probably one of our lesser games that he's played with us so far and that's all right we'll just throw some soda off the next game and if he's great we could throw him off two games in a row and give murray a bit of a chance or like just to have that flexibility is something that we've desperately wanted for a very long time it's what we wanted when we had like anderson and campbell but then anderson was injured for so much it's what we wanted when we had campbell and morazic and then morazic was injured so much and not that like obviously murray's been injured this season but right now when we have both of going. It's, it's just exactly what the plan was. It's what, it's what the design of this team was. 
I think like also what's nice is, I mean, it doesn't always work out this way, but if when Murray has an off game, the forwards are all going and they bail him out. Like there was a couple times, at least against Calgary, uh, where the Leafs came back down of another goal. Like I love seeing that because it shows like Leafs are resilient and they're still hanging in there. I mean, it was nice because Calgary kept taking uh, dumb penalties and, you know, always helps us. Daryl Sutter is a, a whiner. We could, I mean, I don't know how much we're going to talk about the games themselves, but. Um, did you guys hear? Did you guys hear Sutter's comments about like yeah. just Toronto and the penalties and like they always? I remember my days of the Blackhawks and the penalties it's, just always go Toronto's way. Give me a break! It's like you're going you senile, man. You don't remember yeah. anything. Did you see? And then so then Myrtle tweets. This was yesterday that the Leafs are twenty um, eighth. That they rank twenty eighth in penalties called against. I don't know if this was at home or on the road in the last five years. I, I've seen a few people like throw out the stats that just show that he was just completely wrong, like not even close to being accurate. And it's just like, yeah, talk about a whiner move. Doesn't seem like the veteran coach that he is, but whatever. He's frustrated, I guess. We whine. Like coaches make. I mean, if I like saw that. my team take a super blatant penalty at the beginning of overtime, like right in front of the rack, ref whack a guy in the face, I'd be a little ticked off too. But it's like three of their five penalties was high sticking. Like you're giving the refs no choice. Like of all the games to whine about, like give me a break. Matthews was bleeding. The man was bleeding. Oh man. Uh, when you hear though, like refs like, or, or sorry, coaches make comments like that. It's just sometimes makes you like understand why some of these guys fail where it's like a comment like that says to me that he literally doesn't like follow what's going on with the league outside of the teams that he has to play that week. Right. Yep. He just doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah. Well, I, um, so it's kind of funny. Cause like some of the articles on like the athletic is where I see the most often, but also uh, like um, Yahoo sports, but they'll, they'll go around and like, Oh, we'll pull uh, a, an anonymous general manager or coach or a scout or like a media member. I don't know. Less media, like people with other teams and they'll ask them questions and like as their expert opinions. And it's like some of the takes they give are ridiculous. It's like, you do this for a living and that this is what you're commenting is like, are you making a joke with the media? Do you pay any attention or anything? Or like some of the awards ballots, I don't know if you guys look at them, but they're all like all of them are published oh, yeah. afterwards. And like, there's some people that are just like a joke. I mean, I, how many years ago is now? Maybe 10 years ago. But people didn't know what position Al Alex Ovechkin played. So he got voted in as a left winger and a right winger. <laughs> you wonder if like, because you're right, Tim, but you wonder if someone like the, uh, the GM or the coach of the team or someone, they're like entrenched in their own team more so than like any media member would be. You know what I mean? Like, like even yeah. us, I don't know if, we're classified as the media, but like we're, we're we probably pay attention to the other yeah. teams more than like the coach would have to. Like he's just worried about yeah, like my team and who am I playing this week? That's probably all they need to worry about. Why? Why does like why does Sheldon Keith need to worry about what Connor McDavid's doing when we play him two times a year? You know what I mean? So I maybe give him a little bit of a break, but you're right. Well, break. Then, then don't say anything. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. That's right? true. That's what I'm saying. Then just don't say it. And listen, we could be the media. We can give bad takes on this pod all all day. Not us. Okay? Not, only some you of us. Trade Mitch Marner when he's high. You trade him when his value is high. Right it's hard, now, it's hard Born to get higher. David. Is that going to be the title of the pod? You're going to get all the clickbait <laughs> listens, and they say, "Oh, never mind. That was just Steven's take." <laughs> I don't know about 
any who who out there in Leafs Nation is out here striving for Mitch Marner trade topic? I, I bet <laughs> there's like, not I gotta listen not to many this that will admit it or for sure. I gotta listen to this one. Where, where were we? <laughs> um, we were talking about the games. We could talk about that we won in overtime this week. I don't think any of us were <laughs> expecting that. It just took a power play two seconds in. Even then, yeah, I was but- so ready to see the bounce off the shin pad and the, the crazy dipsy doodle play. But no, Leafs, to their credit, pulled it off. So, um, out on the backs of, you- of William Nylander in like peak Willie form. Did you hear uh, Sh- Sheldon Keefe on why, or, or, or comment on overtime? They asked him why he started the lineup that he did, you know, referencing to what Tim had said a few pods ago about the just terrible statistics for Riley. Matthews and Marner starting in overtime. So he puts, you know, Sandine out there. This is for the listeners. And uh, um, he said he put him out there because he thought it was he was most likely to get hit in the face with a stick. Because <laughs> <That laughs> who, who, who were the three again? It was well, it, uh, it was Sandine, Brody, and Camp, which is really interesting. Like that, because kind of what, and I guess I was reading that that's what they did in the in the Marlies a couple times for for this is where they would start. With your most defensive player, I don't know how Cindy made it out there for that. But you start with your most defensive players, and if you win possession, overtime is so easy to keep possession. You just like everyone hops off. You get Matthews, Marner, and I guess Sandine stays out there, and they go and do their thing. If you lose possession, then instead of having you know Nylander and Tavares out there, you have Camp and Brody, Brody out there, and like who else would you rather have out there for three on three when you don't have the puck? So I thought it was, I mean, maybe a little bit of galaxy braining it, but like, I thought it sounds great. Sounds like a great strategy. I hope we keep doing it. Honestly, this kind of seems like the kind of thing that I could see becoming the new norm. You just put out your best face-off guy and your two most defensive defensemen and see who wins the face-off and then go from there. Uh, Ryan, you seem to be discounting David Camp as the most. <laughs> David Camp is going to score an overtime winner for us. He can win the faceoff and go up the door. That man does not score on important goals. I, I don't discount it. I, I won't argue against it. He scored this week. Um, uh, you got to have Brody out there for overtime. And really, going forward, if you're going to start two forwards and one defenseman, it should be Brody because he's the man who can stop that two on one. He's got that in his bag better than anybody else. Um, and you know, he's going to play well last night against his old team. A but, lot of guys playing against their old team, but that's not night. the plan. Like the plan is to start one forward and two defensemen until you get the puck, then switch it all up. Mm. Like they don't even care how, how well the players are out there. They're just there in case if we lose the draw, I don't know. I think it's very that interesting there because there's kind of no reason to like, think you, you can't just make a change whenever you want. Right. Like yeah. having, once you have possession, you shouldn't be giving it up. Right. You uh, shouldn't be. It doesn't always go that okay. way. Okay. <laughs> Though something that does matter besides getting that extra point last night is the Maple Leafs are a team that are susceptible to a monkey on their back, drowning them. um, And they won a game in overtime. That monkey's off their back. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't actually a monkey. I think there was. It felt like there was. Five in a row. Yeah. Um, So that's a monkey. We said it last time. I would say if I'm panicking when they go to overtime and have written them off already, surely the players are doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, okay. The, I guess a question: Once the Leafs had a, a power play in overtime, were you any more confident they were going to win the game? <laughs> I doubt they were Tim? either. I was like, "This is going to make it hurt harder when yeah. we bounce it off the shin pads and they come back on a, on a on a breakaway and then score." I was watching the game with a uh, uh, Flames fan last night too, so it made the W all the more sweet. That is better. Um, 
you know, something else random, unless you guys had something that you want to talk about on overtime. Willie, Willie, this season, I mean, this season he's, he's on pace for, I think his, his best in points and goals, but something I love about him that just, it just stood out this week. Cause he had that sick goal. Was it last night or was it against, uh, a couple. uh where, where he was in all alone and, and you said, sorry, that was what? No, I mean, he's LA? had a couple, he's had a couple this week, couple goals. Well, just, he was in all alone dances around the goalie I, and just like a little, that was in, um, I think. yeah, LA. It was like their third goal in our triple trifecta. And what's crazy about it, it, he's the best on the whole team at that. Yeah. Calm and cool. And he goes in, he's going to beat the goalie. And like, it's not always even the flashiest move either, but like he's elite. He makes his money on that and that you can build. I don't know. You can build plays around that. I feel like well, it feels like they do. Um, like so many times he's out cheating in the neutral zone, looking for that stretch pass. Like I see him doing that more than any other player. He's not necessarily the fastest, but he's out there. Tra- and, you know, it, it kind of costs you when he's not in the defensive zone, making defensive plays. But uh, you're right, Steven. I think he looks for it. I think he is our best at it. We haven't made it to the shootout yet this year, but if we do, I want him to be our first guy out there. William Nylander on pace. For 48 goals this year. That's nuts. All right, you guys are stealing some of my thunder for what you guys aren't seeing. We got to move on here. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, uh, let's hit a couple bits of news, and then we'll get into, yeah, our topic of the pod, a a reoccurring seg. I think we've done this like three or four times now. What you guys aren't seeing, but a little bit of news. So um, in the LA game, Pierre Engvall, Gets a game misconduct for a stick to the skull of a Maple Leafs draft pick, Sean Dursey. Mm-hmm. And he gets ejected from the game and a one-game suspension, which he served last night. So that's done. But the first suspension for Engball, the first suspension for a Maple Leaf this season. I think so. And something to talk about. Any thoughts on the suspension? I mean... It was only a one game suspension, so maybe I won't go too hard on like the most inept person in the entire NHL organization, George Peros. The anyways, I but was it did he was it like a bad high stick? Yes. Did he get deserved to be thrown out of the game? Yeah, I think Jersey kind of was playing it up a little bit. Apparently, he had like tons and tons of people in the stands. Like he bought all these tickets for families. Two hundred, two hundred, and he just the team got totally embarrassed. I mean, like, then he made an embarrassment of himself roll around on the ice. But um, anyways, Pierre Engwell, did he get, like, kicked out of the game and then suspended for an additional game? It's like, okay, if you want to keep the NHL safe, go ahead. Do I have any faith that he's going to suspend the next play like this? No, I think it's ridiculous. So, like, he could have let it go with a fine and, like, it wouldn't, I don't think you'd see anyone complaining about it. I would be complaining about it. I think it's I think it's stupid. The guy he's they're like kind of tussling around. Jersey gives him one final shot from behind, which you see every single game. And Engvall turns around and like lumberjacks his axe into his head. It was like totally intentional, just like up and coming down onto his head. It's completely unacceptable. I don't care if you have like a lapse of judgment. It's not like the most dangerous thing. I don't think he's probably at what? risk of a concussion or something. It's not like some dangerous hit from behinds you see, but you're responsible if you're a stick. It was absolutely an intentional thing. It's not like what we even saw last year from Matthews, where I guess you could say that, yeah. you know, it rode up on his shoulder and maybe he wasn't trying to go for that. Engvall was aiming for the head with this and it's completely inexcusable. Absolutely should have been suspended a game. I wouldn't have even blinked if he was suspended two games. The pre- the lack, the fact that he's like 
definitely not a predatory player. Like this is not who Engvall is. He has no history of it. Means that I think is why he only got one game. But I I I think it would have been ridiculous if he didn't get any. If if that happened against us, you would be saying, "How can that be?" Absolutely, should be suspension. For I sure. know they've let they've let more stuff go this this year, like with just with fines. Like they're so inconsistent with anything. It's like spin the wheel. I, I'm not I'm not defending George Peros and the wheel that he loves spinning, but I'm saying this time he got it right. This absolutely should be a suspension. I almost felt like it, it was a knucklehead move, and where not having Pierre Engvall in the lineup for a night really didn't affect anything, in my opinion. The well, it's because Pierre Engvall doesn't affect anything. So. But so, but, but the game misconduct certainly affected that game. And it's just, I don't know, something to keep in mind where he doesn't have a track record of this, but like that kind of knucklehead play, if that, you know, that was a five minute major, right? I, so we were on the penalty kill for five. Yeah, that minutes. was huge. Um, I, I didn't let it a goal, but if it was an important game, um, or or a game that we lost, right? Because of that, I mean, we'd be complaining a lot more. So it's just like, don't be stupid. Like we've seen stupid teams do stupid things, and it's it's worked out in the Leafs' favor, right? Mm-hmm. Where they've gotten ejected and guys get hot. Let's not become that. Um, I mean, just this week, I think it was the last game you saw us uh, get on a power play. Then Wayne Simmons goes and decides to punch someone in the face and even it up. Like you are supposed to be this veteran presence on the team. What are you doing? This is not why you're here. Like that completely turned that me is, off Wayne Simmons. I hated it. And we're already off is, Wayne Simmons. That is why he's here. Nobody. No, he's, he's not there no, to I do know, that. Like you're there because you, you've been around the league, you've played a thousand games. You know what you can and can't do. You know, when you're allowed to go and punch a guy and when it's not smart to, and you just like somehow lost it in this meaningless game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that one really annoyed me. Um, all right, one more bit of news. So again, from that game, uh, against the LA Kings, Nick Robertson Mm. takes a hit in the corner. It was a little bit of a questionable hit because he didn't even really have the puck. It was kind of just a, well, actually, I think it even got called for interference in the game. Um, but a big hit going up against a bigger player and he goes down hard on his side and he's not moving. And it looks really scary. And he eventually does skate off the ice. Um, and the reports are that he's out six to eight weeks with an upper body shoulder injury. And this is serious. Yeah, I know. You, your, your heart just goes out to him. Like this guy for, I don't know, when we drafted him? Four years ago now? 2019. 2019. Eight years ago. And... <laughs> 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 um, it's a, the, basically he's just been like injury after injury and just like, I mean, this is a bit more of a, I don't even think he's been the shoulder. It's been like knees and like leg, like broken leg. He broke once. his leg. Yeah. And so it's just like all over the place. This guy, you feel, you feel bad. Cause like this, I didn't even feel like he was being, sometimes you can tell he's like, he's being a little reckless out there. He doesn't keep his head up and pays as a result. This is just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was a dirty. I actually don't even think it should have been a penalty. I agreed with Jeff O'Neill on the broadcast. It looked like it was just both of them were trying to outmuscle each other to get to the puck. And obviously he's much smaller than the other guy. It just kind of fell into the boards awkwardly. And that's that's the way it goes sometimes. It's just like. It felt like this was going to be the year that Robertson finally took that step and established himself as an NHLer. You know, like we were waiting for it for yeah. Sanjeev and Lilligren, and they have now taken the step. Lilligren probably, I'd say, even took that step last year. And 
even like this season while he's healthy, he was still like on that fringe. And you're just like, he's just got to get in there and play more and get more reps and, and see more NHL ice time. And he'll get there two months. He's going to be out and not even like out with the Marlies or like even practicing with the Leafs, but just a healthy scratch. He's going to be out doing nothing, nothing. It's just like, this is still a young guy. He's still in development. It's got to just be like even mentally exhausting on him to have to go through this over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's really, it really sucks for the Leafs and for the kid. Um, so one of my favorite things, shout out mom. Uh, when there's a big hit, Barb gets involved. Okay. She's uh, out here flexing those medical muscles here, oh boy. dissecting the play. So I put this in front of my mom and my sister-in-law, Cassie, two medical professionals. All right, <laughs> here's the diagnosis. You guys ready for this? And watch it be true, by the way. because So it's six to eight weeks, no surgery, okay? The diagnosis from Dr. Mom is a dislocated, dislocated shoulder, dislocated collarbone, and that's why he wasn't moving. Right. Because it was popped out and kind of why he was hunched over and holding on to that area. But there's no surgery because but they they waited a minute to let us know what was going on because of the potential of like a torn rotator cuff or something like that. So a dislocation in the shoulder. Um, probably Allegedly. Like some, <laughs> no, this is legit. This is 100 percent legit. I put it in front of two medical professionals. Okay. That's more than that's that, that's more medical professionals than is on all of Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry. Are they Twitter qualified or Twitter verified? Dr. Mom. I mean, I cross reference that with all the information the Leafs have released, which is that it's his upper body and it seems to align. So. Oh, okay. I, they're onto something. All I'm saying, I bring it up because I'm a whole lot less concerned about a uh, dislocated shoulder than a torn rotator cuff and, you know, a dislocated shoulder is not good. tear. Like, it's not um, the kind of thing that will like it, uh, be a reoccurring injury or lasting no, effects. A, or it absolutely will be a reoccurring injury. Like as soon as that shoulder pops out, the the joints are weakened, and like it's more much more likely to be popped out. Yeah, again. but it's the same thing that like once it's popped out, it's significantly easier to pop back in, and it's not like the recovery time is much shorter the next time. Like it's not like the it next time you don't want really it. Like this isn't there. a good news. I, no, but like at least than, a broken leg once it heals. I know people, Tim, who just have dislocated shoulders. They'll come to work and they'll dislocate their shoulder and they just pop it in themselves and they continue on the rest of the day because it happens twice a week. Are they in the NHL, though? It's just, it's nothing. Like, pe sometimes people's shoulders are just weak, man. I don't know. I play beer league with a guy and he dislocated his shoulder in our game and he goes into the dressing room, pops it back in and then comes back out. There you go. He, he had a... But we went to the dressing room after the game and there was a beer on the dress. So he brought a beer with him, pops his shoulder back in and then right. goes back out. Someone get, get Nick Roberts with a beer. Yeah, exactly. Get that guy on the Maple Leaf. Okay. Segment time. Yeah, Segment time. Let's do it. All right. A fan favorite. Do I have a sound drop for this one? It's I don't your, think your, so. It's your game show one, I think. I do that one. That's the one for everything. That's just everything. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a designated <laughs> one, though. What you guys aren't seeing. Time for a new soundboard. Where's that intern? Time for me to, time for me to put some effort into the sound of this podcast. Listen, Mitch Martin's put in all the effort these days. All right. What you guys aren't seeing is a segment where we all watch the Maple Leafs. We're all watching all the games. And uh, uh, we all think we're seeing the same things. But are we? Okay. We each have different eyes. Everybody in the Leafs cast has bad eyesight. But we all catch... Different things in the games, and we're going to talk about it here today. That's it. 
That's the intro. It was good. I hope I did a good job. No, you nailed it. Well done. But you guys I mean, aren't You seeing... nailed the intro, but like, do you have any uh, substance behind this this topic? You were the one that proposed it. So let's, let's hear your first uh, insightful comment for us. Ooh, Tell me okay. what I'm not seeing. Tim probably didn't even prepare, prepare any. He's just here to shut down mine and Steven's. <gasps> oh, Ryan, that's my secret. <laughs> I'm seeing it. What you two bumbling, moronic, fraudulent charlatans are not seeing about the Maple Leafs is that despite all of the skill and all of the success of this season, the Maple Leafs still cannot score goals. The thing that has walked us out of the playoffs in Game 7, what, three years in a row? Well, I mean, five years in a row, but we cannot score, and that is what causes us to lose these key games. Now, I bring this up recognizing that the Leafs have a lot of success so far this season. So I will, I will, what's the word here? I will oomph my, what you guys aren't seeing with a second question. Is that a problem? Okay. The Leafs cannot score, but is that a problem? Because the Maple Leafs have let in close to the fewest goals allowed on the entire season. Really, them and the other really good teams, you know, they have that in common. But I'm saying that we are still significantly less than teams like the Lightning, teams like the Penguins, um, the Knights, that kind of thing. So are you um, saying that Leafs are better defensive team than offensive team? Because I seem to recall (laughs) a prediction contest earlier in the year where one of us predicted that that would be the case. And two people said that that one person was not. Off the rocker. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> Shut up, Tim. <laughs> I'm confusing myself. Um, I don't know. Are we are, are we not is, scoring? We I mean, this is a bold time to pull out that that stat. We've been we've been scoring pretty good. We've scored four goals or more in the past four games. We, no, we've scored games. four four goals or more in seven of the last eight games. I did the math earlier before Steven even brought this up. I was ready to debate you on this one. I think that Steven, if if you look overall in the season, it's down, but the most relevant data is the most recent data. And that's uh, over the last 10 games. We absolutely have been scoring. And a lot of that is Mitch Marner. And a lot of that is the big four, which I'm going to get into, but the, the goals are, are going in and, and we are getting it. And it's nice that, you look as recently as this week, you know, we have these two games against Dallas and uh, Los Angeles, and we're putting up fours and fives on the board against their zeros. But when Calgary shows up in town and our goaltending and our defense isn't that great and they get four themselves, we're still able to keep pace. We're still able to put it up against a quality team like Calgary and, and get five goals. I mean, one in the overtime. So I guess four, really four goals on them there. And uh, we're getting it done when it counts. I, I don't I- know if I'm buying into this. I know. I I think you are correct, and this is kind of kind of coming into one of mine. But the Leafs saying the Leafs as a team can't score is not correct. But the bottom half of the Leafs not scoring that one, I would say, is correct. Like the Leafs have been so hot for the past month and the past week, they are driven on the Leafs live and die by the performance of the star players. And right now, the star players are performing, so everything is good. But like, I think it's overshadowing a lot of the lack of scoring from the bottom of the lineup. I mean, we bring, we bring Kerford up all the time. 
we always like we've already been clinging to the hope of uh, Nick Robertson being the savior for the bottom of the lineup and scoring, mm-hmm. and that that's clearly not happening now for the next eight weeks. But um, I am I concerned about the bottom half of the lineup not scoring? Uh, I don't know. I go. I keep going back and I look at like how talented the top end of the lineup is, and part of me says that like. I have nothing to worry about. These guys can outscore anyone. And then I look at the past 500 playoff series in a row and say like, I've been here before. <laughs> yeah. When I say the Leafs can't score, I'm not saying the Leafs are a bottom five scoring team, but what I'm saying is the Leafs are a team, you know, all you hear it all the time. All the money goes to the offense. I don't know if, you know, it's these four guys, but like historically with all those four guys, the Leafs are a top, two, three, four scoring offense where this season they're middle of the pack to, well, yeah, basically just right around middle of the pack. Part of that's the style of games, which is why I say, is that a big deal? Because, you know, we're getting excellent goaltending right now. And you look at some of the teams that score a ton, it's because they need to, right? Because they like the Buffalo Sabres. So it's just maybe a little bit of it is me um, needing to come to peace with the fact that like this team's just different than different uh, old Leafs teams. But anyway, that's just something I'm seeing. I look at every single night, like, can you hang five on them? Can you hang six on them? Yep. Where's the killer instinct? Can you just yeah, bury, bury them? them? Yeah. I mean, I, I was bury kind of thinking them. the same thing as I guess both of you were kind of saying it, but <sighs> like I, I, there was a quote that, uh, Jonas Siegel tweeted and, and it, it reads that the Leafs have scored 64 goals since November 1st. Our big four, Matthews, Nealand, Tavares, and Marner have scored 42 of them. That's 66%. So that's one-third of our forwards are scoring two-thirds of our goals. And that's crazy. Like, that's a ridiculous... I bet there's no other team in the league that comes remotely that close other than maybe, like, Edmonton because two of their players score half of their goals. But it's... Well, maybe uh, Buffalo, it, one player scores all yeah, their goals. That's true, too. So but it, it's just, like, a crazy a crazy variance from the top half to the bottom half. But here, here's what I'm thinking, though. I think that it might not be the worst thing because we have an outrageous record right now. We're doing very well. We're, like, third in the league. We're, like, three points out of first in the league. I think Boston won tonight, so they got a little bit further in. But we're, we're, we're doing incredibly well. It is almost impossible for a depth scoring to get any worse. And our big four isn't even at full potential here. We still have our heart trophy 60 goal scorer, Austin Matthews, just like heating up at this point. And half of our defense is injured. So like, I, I, I think that you're right, Steven, but I think that the parts that are bad can only get better. And the parts that are good also will get better. So I think that there's hope moving forward. Speaking of the record, the Leafs are currently on pace to be better than last year. Yeah, which who, is the best who predicted ever. that? I don't know. I think okay. I think all three of us said that we, that was unlikely. That okay, was back let, when we cue did the music. Cue the music. Somebody go. All right, I will go. Since you already got me on this big four talk here, but William Nylander, as you guys were trying to steal my thunder earlier on, you bunch of jabronis. Listen, when we're talking about the big four, Tim, tell me who the big four are. List them. All right. Well, Pierre Engvall is 6'5". So All right, shut big... up. The order that every single person other than someone trying to troll me will say is obviously Matthews and Marner is number one. Usually Tavares is number three. Some people would say Morgan Riley is number four. The Nylander is the forgotten piece at the end. He's just not the centerpiece of the big four. He's like the tag along. He's like the little brother of the big four is what he is. 
Tim, you mentioned it already in this podcast, but he is on pace for 48 goals this season. That's more than Tavares had in that miracle season, his first year here with Mitch Marty at 47 that year. 48 goals for William Nylander. He is on pace for 93 points this season. 93 points. The story of this season is not Mitch Marner. It is William Nylander. He is the one who has become more than he has ever been. And he is the story so far of the big four this season. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay, I'm not going to say that William Nylander has been a better player than Mitch Marner this season. I'm not season, saying he's though. been a better player, but he's been the well, big... you're saying he's the story of the he's team. He's been the, the bigger story. The story. He's, he's from what you expected Nylander to be to what he is, and what you expected Marner to be to what he is, Nylander is far better. Marner's, Marner's currently on pace for less points than he had last year. Nylander's on pace for 20 more points and 20 more goals than last year. And that was after, like, a career year last year. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 gone from like just like the fourth piece of the core four to a lead member as to why we have the record we have now. He's he's definitely taken himself out of any of the trade discussions, mm-hmm. right? Because now he's outperforming that contract vastly. Yeah, um, I'll I'll agree with you to say that he's he's a top two story in the Maple Leafs this year. Um, something I think of when I watch him, though, every night is there's two players in the Maple Leafs, I think, that just, like, could... Outside of, I guess, I guess, like, Austin Matthews, so whatever, three, that need no one else there to score goals. They they will cut through the entire team and get to the net and score goals, and that's Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Dennis Mulligan, okay? <laughs> I, I believe in that. And so when I look at... I was just saying it before about William Nylander, right? Cutting through the guys, he gets right in front of the goal, and he's not going to miss... Sometimes I wonder if he's maximized by playing with, or, or sorry, the Leafs are maximized by playing him with an elite center when he doesn't always need it. He needs the ice time, but like mm. very rarely do I feel like Austin Matthews or John Tavares set him up right. with this opportunity for him to score. Uh, he has the puck and decides he wants to score and then he does it. Maybe. I think like where he benefits though is like, by having that elite center there is just enough to distract the other team. Like he's not the one that's going to outmuscle three guys and work for the puck. He's like, he can go through a player like, cause he is, he is cool hands and he is like a pretty good shot. But like, I'm not, I think you put him on the third line where all of a sudden he's the focus of everyone. I, I think that is not setting him up for success. Like I think he's doing so well, like obviously playing with, um, Tavares for the first part of the year and Tavares is like having a really good season. Then, I mean, since being with Matthews, Matthews has to be the focus. Like even a Matthews uh, is like in sleeping dragon mode where he's maybe not full force. Austin Matthews still is like a huge focus of all the team's defensive plans. And like, I think William Nylander is still a bit of a secret around the league where they just, (laughs) these people that don't know anything, they listen to the Toronto media that throws them under the bus. Sometimes rightfully so. We're William Nylander in the offensive zone is a totally different player than William Nylander in the defensive zone. It's because he doesn't go in the defensive zone. He just (laughs) waits for it at the red line. (laughs) Hey, it's good for his goal total. That's right. I I, I, I'm saying like, I, I wonder though, with just like how he plays right now, if they ever consider a super line top line of John Tavares, Matthews and Marner, and then Nylander on the second line with David Camp and Michael Bunting. 
Because Camp on the second line is way too well, who, much. Who's, center, who's centering no, that? But that Alex but that's what I'm saying. Like, they don't have the second line center to, to just, do that. Like, even like Kerfoot's absolutely not. Yarn Crook's absolutely not. Like, they, the, the bets that they had for their center depth have just not gone anywhere. Like, it's Hollowell. He's the next best center that we got. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think that that will, unless if we make a, a deal at the deadline, I don't think that that will be the case. It would be fun, though. I'm just saying that he has a very, he's a unique skill set. It is. It's very unique that not a lot of other guys. And like to add on to that in the past, you know, three or four years, Nylander has arguably been our best playoff performer, at least most consistent playoff performer. So like you take that for what he was in seasons past, which is like a 30 to 35 goal scorer. And he's our best guy in the playoffs. Now he's a 45 to 50 goal scorer. If he keeps this up. Like he's he's the kind of guy that's just a game breaker come playoffs. He's the kind of guy that can just win you a game. And I I think it's it's tremendous what he's been able to do. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the improvements that Tavares has made. Obviously, Marnus on this wild stretch. I don't think either of them are doing what Nylander is able to do. Forty eight goals on pace for four. If he ends the season with forty eight goals, I bet we're going to be saying that he was better than Mitch Marner this season. That's what I'm saying. Spicy. Oh man. Great. We won't get we we won't get started talking about his contract renewal in a couple of years. That's uh that's <laughs> another story. But Tim, uh, do you feel do uh, you feel like calling anybody out right now? I mean, I always feel like calling people out. They hit the music then. Play it. All right. What you guys don't see in you're talking, I feel like I this does every single time you guys look at the goals you look at the offense ryan doesn't renew william nylander doesn't cross the red line come back the other way and he's saying he's the best guy of the year <laughs> on defense this year you guys just keep me around to talk about the defense it seems um morgan riley has not played in a month and we're not talking about the fact that the leafs are one of the most elite defensive teams in the league so what you guys don't see was the Morgan Riley in, uh, injury was a blessing in disguise. For the first month of the season, Morgan Riley was being leaned on by the Leafs as carrying as like supposed to carry the Leafs defensive efforts. He's not that. We were a mess defensively. The forwards didn't care. The defense didn't care. And obviously it wasn't working. Since Morgan Riley's injury, and like I'm not gonna also came with Muzzin's injury and Brody's injury altogether. But the Leafs have come together as a defensive unit. The same way that when the goal, backup goaltender is playing uh, and you don't necessarily trust him the same way, you don't take the same level of risks and you play differently knowing behind you, like, all right, I do have to, ba- it is important that I back check and I hustle and I get there. The Leafs are playing differently since Morgan Riley has been injured and they're better because of it. They are so what what will be interesting is I think he's still a little while before he comes back, but we're starting to see it with TJ Brody back here. But I think the Leafs have been a better team with Morgan Riley injured defensively than when he was healthy. That is what you guys aren't seeing. I wonder if a lot of it is our forwards. I'm noticing them like coming back, supporting the D, even like being a little slower to leave the zone and look for that like outlet pass to try and get behind like just i don't know being a little bit more defensively responsible hustling back for the back check uh, i think that it's and and i think you're right tim i i think that guys like riley and muzzin and brody them going down it's just like a wake up it's almost like it's 
top of mind awareness for the whole team. And, and you, know, you see it especially with guys like with Marner and Matthews or Camp for like some of these more defensively responsible forwards. But they're just like giving everything that they have to come back and defend. And it, you're right. It's absolutely noticeable defensively. It, it, we don't even look like the same team back there, which is wild considering what our like Sandin and Lilligren are doing or Geo and Hall Hall are doing out there. Like it's, I know. it's crazy. Oh my goodness. We, I mean, I feel like in the past little while we haven't given Justin, Justin Hall enough love. He, I mean, we gave, we were pretty hard on the guy the first month of the season. He was, I think, Brian, you call it like a number nine or ten NHL defenseman on a team where only six make the team. But, but Tim, he, was, he, he was, he was, he was a number nine or ten defenseman. Like it was, he was costing us single-handedly, costing us games and points in the standings. It was wild. It is wild how far he dropped to how far he's risen with Giordano on the top pair right now. The it's, top pair. Like he the, was almost one of my, you don't see, because it is it is unbelievable the ascension that Justin Hall has made. Uh, <laughs> what are we going to do with that guy? He's, he's like, I'm restricted free agent next year. Oh, he'll get what? paid by some team. We, we won't afford to keep Vancouver. him. Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Stephen, about Tim Steak? Well, uh, first of all, you know, you're right. And I think a lot of it does go to Sheldon Keefe where, yeah. you know, you got to give him respect when he deserves his respect. Yep. And the system that he set up is setting these defensemen up for success. And yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's remarkable that we have Sandine and Lily, uh, a Lily Grin playing together, which they've done before, but it's never really gone that well. And it's going well right now. Geo and Hall who really outside of this injury stretch, I don't, I can't think of times that they've played together that much and it's going really well. And it's crazy that like, I'm trying to think of a time that we really missed Morgan Riley this season, because even on the power play, which is doing like, I mean, fine right was now. flying in Calgary last night. Yeah. It was flying in Calgary. Yeah. Before that it was a little bit of a lull, but, and you got Sandine back there and it's like, it's like, we don't miss them. Yeah. So what the, uh, the question it's kind of answered for me a little bit is that I really don't think, come trade deadline time that the Maple Leafs are going to be prioritizing a defenseman right now. When you see the depth and the success, like Victor Mete, I didn't even mention him because he, he got injured. I don't know if we talked about that last week or whenever the heck that yeah. happened, but like <laughs> the defensive injuries like, is blurred together. Roll out the next guy, roll out the next guy, roll out the next guy. Um, and it stabilized the team. So, well, what's it's crazy cool. is like to start the season before all these injuries happened, when hall was still a black hole of misery you looked at our defense and you were like, we, we need one, maybe two pieces to solidify this. Like, especially when Muzzin went down, it was just unacceptable. But now if you look at it, you're going to a playoff season with Riley and Brody as your top pair. We know that that is a fantastic top pair. You have Lilligren and Sandine and then Geo Hall. And in the weeds, ready to come up, is guys like Mete and Ben, who have shown that they could be like quality Jordy NHL ben. defensemen. Did he mention Jordy Ben? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, maybe we're good. I mean, in, barring injuries, right? You can't account for like if another guy goes down for a few months. But it's it looks good to me. Like they're they're really a lot of confidence there. And you never know. Hall has fallen off a cliff before. He could do it again. But uh, clearly, he performs when we need him to. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I I agree, Tim. It's it it looks good. It's a needed change. It'll it'll be really interesting. I mean. It's also been a bit, a bit of a blessing in disguise just to give those guys a little bit of a runway. Like I remember we less about defensemen, like forwards playing, but goaltenders playing. Um, 
if you don't play, don't play in the NHL for months and then you have one game to kind of come in and show like you belong and you make an impression. It's a lot of pressure. You have a lot of rust. And it's hard. so you really need a, a few stretch of games to get your legs under you and show you what you can do. So all our defenseman injuries have given these guys that that chance to show that. All right, here's what I can do, given given a little bit of faith and a little bit of ice time. And so it's just it's been good. It's been good. But so what is interesting is like we're not we're not, not talking about Jake Muzzin at all. We're kind of it's looking like he might not be back this season, but they haven't ruled him out past February. Like if you add Jake Muzzin to those lists of names, like that's a legit NHLer. I mean, it'll it'll be. Very, I mean, it, I, it I'm gets not a little harder that at all. Like, I don't think no, that's I think even. Done. I don't even think that's close to a consideration. No. So, but I mean, that's five point six million dollars of cap space. We can fix our bottom six scoring. I mean, really, it's only like three point something because we're already over the cap. Right? Yeah, like, that's true. So it, it's not that and, much. But am I wrong though? Like, you have to assume right now, Kyle Dubas is looking at the team saying, like, we're not we don't need to trade for a defenseman at the deadline. Like Jacob Chikrin's not a priority. It, it seems Carlson's like the depth scoring is the higher priority at this point, which could yeah. change. Like it, it could change pretty quickly. Right. But like all, all it takes is for Kerfoot to start actually playing like the NHL player. We know he is and bunting to start putting some in and maybe like yarn crook to do something. And then all of a sudden things been the, pretty good lately. He, he's been coming back around. You're right. But I, I guess I'm eight game point streak. To, um, They're tracking all the point streaks now. I think Austin <laughs> Matthews really is on a seven-game point streak. It's 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 uh, <laughs> you, you never know. Like these storylines of what do you need could turn around pretty quickly. It honestly, it wouldn't even take that long for goaltending to become a question again. Like Murray gets injured, Samstoff has a few bad games, and all of a sudden you never know. But that leads me into the next what you Whoa. guys aren't Whoa. seeing. So get that soundbite ready, man. Listen. For, this guy transitioned. For goalies who have played at least 10 games so far this season, you know where our goaltenders rank in save percentage? Number oh, two man. and number four. We're, they're both in the top five. Samsonov trails only Linus Allmark, who's on, playing on literally the best team in the league right now in Boston. And Murray is right behind Hellebuck, who's a former Vesna winner. That's it. That's where our guys are. Now, Campbell was fun last year. You know, he's the Atlantic Division All-Star. He was playing pretty well. He played really well to start the season. But it can all crash and burn pretty quickly when you're dealing with one guy and one guy who has a track record of being pretty inconsistent. But when you have two horses who are in the race, two horses you could, like, rely on both for injuries and just for being hot, like, that's everything. It's easier to load manage. It's easier to be more reliable down the stretch. It's easier to find that hot goalie come playoff time. And at this point of the season, we're now like 20 something games in here. I think it's safe to say that goaltending is going to be a strength of the Toronto Maple Leafs going down the stretch and eventually in playoffs. And I, I'm not saying that the goaltending is going to be as hot as it's been now. I'm not necessarily expecting both of our goaltendings to end with like a 930 save percentage, which is incredibly impressive. But I, th- I think that other teams are going to be putting respect on the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltenders come playoff time, that they're not a c- couple of ring dig goaltenders here. They're, they're someone to be trifled with. That's what I think. I'm, I'm committed. They've sold me. Sold. Goaltending is a strength of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I'm not sure I see that. I don't know. It, well, the idea of saying both of them, right? Like... Because we've had, we've, you know, C- Campbell going into the playoffs last year. Gosh, I think he was good going into, I can't, 
barely remember. But I think like, he, he did pick it up a little bit. He bottomed out in like February and then showed enough flashes. Like not, not Vesna left, but at least like NHL caliber goaltender. <laughs> so like we always have at, at least one guy, at least one above average goaltender going into the playoffs, but we've never had like two good ones, right? Like, like at, at this level at all. So it almost... It, it that's that's crazy to think about having that in your back pocket once the games start to get really serious um and it's not a small sample size anymore like i mean it's not like a whole season but like 10 games isn't nothing that's like 10 games over the course of two and a half months or two months or whatever like it's it's there and they're doing it consistently like i think matt murray's had one bad game one average game samsonov has had zero bad games i'd say and our defense yeah, I- is non-existent <laughs> like I don't know. It's still a bit of a small sample size to say it's a strength. Like, have they been good? Yes. Have they been great? Yes. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've been great. Both, they're both top five in the NHL. They're ahead of guys like Shosturkin and and Vasilevsky and like I don't know. Like, go down the list. Every other goaltender, other than those two, I said. I know. I'm I'm not quite sold yet. You shared that list earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week. I think it was this week. Um about how seven out of the top 10 paid goaltenders in the NHL right now are above a 900 save percentage mm, are below. Was it below? Oh, below. Sorry. Below. a nine. Yeah. Basically like the, these bets that other teams have made on like going long, big dollars, big years on these goaltenders. None of them are paying off. Like goal, the goaltending position is just su- such a range. Uh, so there's only maybe two guys in the world that can reliably perform at the goaltending position over a five-year period it's unbelievable really but like and, the, and, the, the goalies like our goalies aren't just so high on those lists because all the, all the other goalies suck like their numbers are good sam Stoff's at a 933 save percentage murray's at a 926 those are great numbers like if they ended the season with those numbers you are nothing but a happy man and what's to say that they're not going to end like around there our defense should only get better well, when riley and brody are back out there like our forward should only get better when like Matthews hits the gear that we know he's going to hit. Like it's, it, it should only get better for these guys. The, the, the only, the, the, the only thing t- to me that could undo it is health. I, I have yeah. nothing to suggest that Sam Sonov's game is going to fall off a cliff or Matt Murray's game is going to fall off a cliff. And I guess you never really see it coming when like this used to happen to Jack Campbell, but it is, it is still health. And it's, it's more for Matt Murray than Ilya Samsonov, yeah. right? Like, He's been a, a very unhealthy man. Teams are running into him. Um, they seem, I don't know, like it always seems whenever Murray's in there, they seem rougher with Murray. Maybe it's just because I've seen it more often, like every little bump that they give him, it's like, come on, guys, come on. I think on. partially, like Murray's more aggressive than that. He's coming out yeah, and maybe. sliding side to side. Like I think he's putting himself in the position to be injured. Could be. I think the Leafs are soft too and need to start knocking somebody out when they run it when they run into your goalie. Oh, tell that to Wayne. That's Simmons. when you punch somebody in the exactly. back of the head. If you're Wayne Simmons, that's when you do it. That's or exactly like your right. angle, let's take the chop at the. All right, maybe not. Maybe not that. I don't know. I think uh, you're overreacting. Getting sus- kicked out and spent like a two game suspension. Anyways, I have I have one more um, that's kind of spicy to end on. All right. Unless somebody else had one. Oh, I'm do. out. Go ahead. I was going to say look ahead to the games, but like I'm ready for a spicy take from Steven Douglas. Well, maybe we've already talked about it quite a bit. Listen, what you two closet senator fans aren't seeing. Hey, hey, don't put me with him. You guys just talk about their roster a lot. That's all I'm saying. Both of you. Wait, is that it? Is that what what we're not seeing? (laughs) No. Uh, 
all all of the positive things that we've talked about today, um, you know, just the, the excellent facets of the Maple Leafs team this year on pace for more points than last year, all culminate into a team that is is different that this team is different, which means that this year will be different. Ooh. You think- so is, will this year be different? Because right now what I'm seeing is that this team is different and that this year will be different. That's a bold take to make in December, uh, December 11th. You, you cannot argue that this team is different though than last year, past seasons, right? You cannot argue that. Better goaltending, better defense, Papa John's. I that's a pizza place here in the U.S. Papa it, John's. I don't, better pizza. I don't know if I'm going to say that that it's any different because, like, the way I see, like, last year at this point, we we actually probably had pretty similar goaltending that we've had right now. Like Jack Campbell was really good early on in the season, and our core four was like leading the rush. We had lots of power play goals from Tavares and Nylander. Matthews was obviously doing his thing, and Marner was doing his thing. And it's it's actually probably similar to last year. I like I, the I like the wins that we've gotten in this you know thirteen game with point streak. Like we look consistently dominant out there, and that that's given me hope, I guess. But I won't say there's too much else out there. Like I would say last year, I said that comparing it to years before it, like last year felt different. We felt like a team that was ready to go deep. I, I think saying that this year it feels the same as last year is not a bad thing. I think last year we had a really good team and it's nothing to try and distance yourself from. I, I would say, actually, I, I guess I disagree with you. I think it feels similar to last year and I think that that's a good. Thing. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd agree. I'm closer to, to Ryan than I am with you, Steven. I'm sorry, but uh, I think like from the where I was at the start of the season where the goaltending was the huge question mark. I am sold enough that I think we'll have average goaltending, but I'm not confident to say that, like, I now expect a game seven victory from this group. Because um, we'll win in game six. <laughs> we'll win in game. Yeah. I thought we were going to win in five against Montreal. Five. <laughs> Overtime. It was that close. Thank you, Alex Galchenyuk. You got a contract in Colorado, actually. Did he? Oh, that's good for him. Yeah, he's yeah, hanging he around. I don't know. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope that we keep doing these happy podcasts for months on end. And I, but part of me is still a little scarred and hardened from these past years and just waiting for it to all crumble. Like, I, I mean, we didn't, I mean, I think it's too late to get into it now, but Ryan talked to, we didn't talk about our center depth at all and how we're being carried at the top. Yeah. Like if, if Matthews Tavares goes down, Gonna be a lot rougher. I don't. Th- I don't that won't be a blessing in dis- disguise like the Riley in- uh, injuries been. But time will tell. Time will tell. I hope you're right. Do you want to look ahead to? Sorry. Do you have any response to us kind of poo pooing? Shutting your, you down. <laughs> shutting you down. Thanks for joining us this week on the Leafs cast. <laughs> it was spicy. I like it. This week we got Anaheim coming up on Tuesday. We got. The Rangers on Thursday and Washington on Saturday. So bottom dweller Anaheim and then two uh, average middle of the pack, maybe slightly above average teams and Rangers and Washington. Right. We, we always talk about what do you want to see from the Leafs this week? I want to see us bring it against a bottom feeder team. No more embarrassing performances against embarrassing teams. I mean, we won on this like recent streak we've been doing here. We won against San Jose three to one, although that wasn't necessarily a, like we we kind of barely won at the end there. 
Uh, we won against Buffalo 5-2. That was a while ago. That was like, what? Yeah, November 19th. Yeah, we haven't actually faced too many of these bottom feeder teams in a while. So I'm with Tim. Let's uh, let's keep rolling here. I'm sure that the mojo is pretty good in the room. They like winning. So let's not give up another stinker to Anaheim. The last time, yeah, the Leafs played the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, I was ready to fire Sheldon Keefe. So I don't see how this could go any worse, uh, regardless of the final score. Um, but I would, I'd love to beat them. And, and we'll be at home, too. The last time, right, it was at the end of a um, a long streak. So, uh, um, no, for, for, for me, it just keeps going back to the goaltenders, right? We've got this tandem. We'll see both of them this week. Um Honestly, don't know who we'll see either night. I mean, I guess there's really no reason to expect either guy. Um, and then the other thing I'm looking to see is the audition that's going on uh, on second line left wing. So after Nicky Robb went out, it was Dennis Mulgan slotting in didn't the right great. side. And I thought it was telling that they didn't make, they did not put Kerfoot up there. Kerfoot's a little bit in the doghouse right now, and I don't think he's going to get that shot again. I don't think he'll be up there this week. I don't, I don't um, know, because I don't think Mulligan looked in particularly great up there. It would here, Here's the thing, though. Would your team not be so much better if you can get Kerfoot going? Like, if you just leave him in the doghouse for the rest of the season, all you're doing is hurting yourself. So, like, why not put Kerfoot up there? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Is he going to be worse than Mulligan up there? Probably not. Like, it's, I don't know, it's... I, I think the upside of getting Kerfoot going is too high. You need you need him going. He's your de- he's your depth scoring. He's what's been your depth scoring over the last couple of years. He's like a sixty point guy operating as like a thirty point guy right now. Yeah, fifty point guy. I say get him going. Put him up there. Mm. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, because like Malkin even got banged up in the last game. So anyway, that's the thing I'm looking to seeing this week. All right, I'll just see a little it. bit of. Uh, little bit of second line left wing. How many times we talked about that on the pod? The carousel. 900 times. Turns out you don't need really anyone special there. Marner's going to get two goals and an assist every game. So He only needs to score in the next 30 games to match Wayne Gretzky's record. <laughs> <laughs> 30 games. Nicky Rob will be back by then. 